plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash that it is two o'clock and that means it's time for the food show. Marianne Fitzmorris here. Tom Fitzmorris is uh, sort of retired but I am holding the baton and moving forward with talk about food as we have done for 33 years. Love to talk to you about anything having to do with food. Uh, today is National Rue Day. And uh, we certainly do a lot of ruse here in Louisiana and especially in New Orleans. And everyone has a new and improved way of making a roux. I have my own. I'd love to talk to you about roux tidbits or roux uh, tips if you would like to talk about that. 556 Let's see, we did not go anywhere for lunch today because, uh, believe it or not, I have, I have, I have four cars. We have, I have four cars. One of them is sitting in the driveway for years now because I was in California for two weeks and uh, the seal around the windows was not... Uh, had had worn away a bit, and it was that kind of period that we just had with just relentless rain, and so it needs some serious work. That's on my list. I have uh, another car that is in the shop in Baton Rouge where it had a new engine put in, and I am wondering why it's not back now, I sure could have used it because we have Tom's car that T is not using, which is a stick shift car. And that, that one sits in the driveway too. And then I have my car, which is the one that I use. So the check engine light went on a couple of days ago. Then I had Tom's car fixed because he had some issues with the um sensors and the car didn't go more than 30 miles an hour so I brought it in I had it fixed and now it's doing the same thing again so uh, we didn't go anywhere today because I am judiciously using uh, the semi working cars one of them is going across the lake tomorrow to be fixed but it's bizarre that you can have that many cars and uh, and not one that's drivable so we are here, and uh, we are, but we are going out this evening, and so that is uh, the one trip that I am saving the car for. Five five six nine six nine six TMI, right? TMI. We're talking about food anyway. We've gotten off the subject about food a couple of times this week. We were talking about cruises earlier in the week, and the reason we were doing that is that there are some great cruise deals out there. I was talking to our former cruise. Uh, travel agent 
really. And she is just constantly busy, busy, busy with that. I also got something in email today from our former producer on the mothership over on um, Poydras, WWL, and uh, it's fascinating. He is just really kind of an interesting guy and uh, sends a lot of things to us. And it is a chronology of eating habits over the last, I guess, hundreds of years. And I'm going to just sort of go through this and pick up a little bit every now and then about the kinds of things that we eat and, uh, and why we eat them and how those things have changed and sort of reshuffled in the last, well, the period is from 1970 through 2019. So um, we're not going back a whole, whole long way, but, um, but certainly in modern times, I think that's interesting. 5569696, let's talk about Rue first. So I had never made a Rue. Well, everyone knows my tales of growing up and eating Vienna sausages and the like, Terry's roast beef and all those convenience foods. So I don't know that I ever saw my mom make anything that needed a roux. That's not true. She, she made a great seafood gumbo, but I didn't ever notice her making it. So I'm assuming that there was a roux involved now that I think about it, but it was always just presented to us and that was it. So there it was, and I don't know how it got there, but it was good, and that's all that mattered. So when I married Tom, he was, well, he completely changed my worldview on eating. There was no margarine after that. It was butter. Uh, there was no evaporated milk. It was cream. I remember the first time I had to go look for heavy whipping cream on a store shelf, I was completely flummoxed. I, I had never even heard of that. And, um, <laughs> and it has kind of become a staple in our house ever since then. But uh, I think it was like a Thanksgiving or something and it was sold out around town and I didn't really know what to even ask for. And uh, fortunately I was able to, to land some. But those are the kinds of things that Tom did in elevating my culinary worldview. So he is maybe not the first person that brought the idea of a turkey gumbo into my life. My sister, who has been on the show with us uh, for a few months there, had a uh, mother-in-law that taught her a lot of things about cooking sort of the country way or I guess just more fresh kind of cooking. And she learned an awful lot from her mother-in-law. And one of the things that she learned was that after Thanksgiving, the turkey caucus, carcass becomes, it sounded like a political caucus, <laughs> the turkey carcass becomes a uh, basis for a delicious gumbo. And I think that growing up, we probably were 
uh, offered the turkey gumbo, but for some reason that didn't appeal to us, I guess, because we were all such pills. It's like anyone who tried to crack into the Canal family um, rigid culinary worldview. Um, well, except for my sister-in-law, my ex-sister-in-law, we were all over her contributions. But um, I remember when my boyfriend tried to do barbecue shrimp, we liked it, but we were highly suspicious. And I think the same was true of the turkey gumbo. So I don't know that I really ate much turkey gumbo until Tom came into my life and said, after Thanksgiving, you do a turkey gumbo and you eat it with sweet potato, which was just so exotic to me. And I think that's exotic to a lot of people uh, who didn't grow up in the country, but Tom's mother was from Cottonport and she, uh, she brought that into their family. And it's actually really good. I mean, I, I eat it now myself, but I've also elevated the turkey gumbo in this house with a rice base of boudin. So I don't use just white rice. And for a while there I was using brown rice and then I had some boudin and I just scooped out the boudin and used that as a base of rice. And so that really kind of kicked up a notch or two, that dish and the sweet potato. It's such a full meal. So um, I was doing the roux the regular way. We did a lot of Crisco eating back in the day in this house. Crisco was our margarine. And we didn't think anything of it because it was better than margarine. But Crisco is another one of those you know, saturated fats and has gone the way of margarine in terms of um, banishment, I should say. I mean, we did a lot of Crisco with the biscuits every weekend and just, just you know, didn't think twice about it. So I think we started the roux with Crisco as well. And that's how we did a roux for a very long time. And then we went to oil and now I don't use oil either. My own mark on a roux is butter, and I just use the butter. I guess you could use lard. People still turn up their nose at lard because it had a bad wrap, and now as everything else is flipped upside down, you know, you can eat lard. And lard is actually better than those oils that are processed and processed and processed. So uh, I, I haven't tried lard, but I did do butter. And butter is a good way to make a roux, I think. I don't, I never did try it the way Tom started doing it in a microwave. But um, I do a roux now always with butter. And I like the way it comes out. It does tend to, uh, it can be really, really dark but um, it, it takes a little bit more skill, and I hate to submit that I have a tremendous amount of skill in the kitchen, but I, the, the, the roux comes out really, really nicely, and it, um, it's just as good, if not better, I think certainly better for you than using the oil or the, uh, or the Crisco or any of that. So if you make roux, how do you do it? If you would like to share some tips on making a roux, we would love to hear them. It's National Roux Day here on the Tom Fitzmaurice Food Show. And we'll be back after these messages, 556-9696.
Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa, and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light smoke, pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D Sausage in stores all over town. The best meals always start with the best ingredients. If you're cooking seafood, the best ingredients are at Mandeville Seafood. All local fish, Louisiana shrimp, oysters, crab, crawfish, wild salmon, and Dungeness crabs, with a little notice, Mandeville Seafood can get anything in the seafood universe you may want to try. And it's crawfish season. Having a boil? Bring your ice chest to Mandeville Seafood. Celebrating 25 years. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, madame, with you. All right, I will not ask, but thank you, Tom. 5569696. I was wrong, it is not National Rue Day, it is Worldwide Rue Day. According to Tom, making a roux is a classic French culinary technique dating back to the 1600s. But nowhere in the world is it done as much as here in Southeast Louisiana. Although there are many ways to make a roux, we all seem to agree that making it one way or another is essential to getting the distinctive flavor and texture of Creole and Cajun food. It thickens sauces, adds color, and contributes a special mouthfeel and nutty flavor. Roux, as we know it, is a blend of flour and fat cooked to some degree. The fat component can be almost anything, butter, oil, or rendered animal fat. I think rendered animal fat's the next thing I'm going to try. It's cooked with the flour until it reaches the color the cook wants. The essential technique is simple, but taxing. You have to keep stirring and scraping the bottom of the pot to keep the mixture from burning. Burned roux can't be repaired. It has an unmistakably horrible flavor. Going back to the beginning, as the flour and fat cook, its texture changes to create blonde roux. The first stage, used for some dishes as a thickener and for making bechamel. It keeps getting darker at an increasing rate as it cooks, going through a distinctly reddish stage. The word roux is a reference to this redness to dark brown and finally almost black. By that point, it's extremely hot. It's been called Cajun napalm for what happens if a big blob of hot roux happens to splash on your arm. Everybody has a different way of making roux. French chefs usually cook it dry in the oven and add the oil later. You know what, that's kind of what I do. That's, that's almost exactly what I do. I will take the flour and I just keep stirring the flour until it gets darker and darker and darker and you you can do that. I didn't realize that you could do that but but that is the way I do it and then I put the butter in when it's pretty dark and uh, and I, I swear by that technique I think it really really works well. Some cooks heat the oil very hot first, then add the flour and stir like mad as the roux darkens with alarming rapidity. With a lower heat, it's less tricky but takes more time. 
Roux can even be made in the microwave oven by making it in diminishing bursts and stirring in between. A very strong glass container is needed and there is still a risk of breakage. The standard home use of roux is to add the other ingredients for the dish when the roux is the right color. The vegetables will also cool the roux as they cook. Most chefs make a large amount of roux, add, add it as they need to the pot. That way they get the exact right amount of thickening and darkening. I remember the first time I made a roux, I was really rattled because it does start to burn very quickly. And as I've said so many times before, I never have my mise en place. So I am cooking the roux and chopping the vegetables at the same time. And then I realized that that really does not work. That might be the only thing that I actually have the mise en place for a roux because otherwise it's certain disaster. When I do a gumbo or a roux, I mean, the only time I ever do a roux is for a gumbo, a turkey gumbo, in fact. And I usually will have the roux on a burner and then I'll have the chicken or turkey boiling on the other burner. And so as it gets a little hairy, I will start adding the liquid to cool it down and it may not be the right darkness, but it tends to become darker if I just keep working with it. But I do, I do cheat. I do use that liquid and, uh, and cool it. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm here to do that with you, as Tom has done for 33 years. It's not the same show. I don't do a lot of where should I eat uh, tonight, although we can do that. We do just sort of generalized, uh, generalized food talk, and um, and we like that. That's that's worked pretty well. We like to use the blueprint of the show, uh, Tom's written work, which I think a lot of people have maybe not seen as much of as they are familiar with the show. But uh, we're gonna do something from the the newsletter which came out today. In the newsletter today, uh, I have a piece on oysters. I have the dozen best oyster dishes in town. There are countless oyster dishes. If you know of one, please send me an email, tom at nomenu.com. If there's one that you are highly offended that I forgot, I might not even know about it because they are endless, but these are the ones that currently, in my view, and Tom and I sit at the same table, we talk about the dishes, uh, we agree that these are the 10 reigning favorites in our world anyway. 5569696, the old kitchen sage says, the first step to making a roux involves neither flour nor oil, but chopping the vegetables. You will throw into the roux, when it gets to the color you want, or filling a cup with stock and placing it within easy reach of your roux position. That sounds so very scientific. I don't cook quite so scientifically. It's pretty much just trying to keep up as it goes, kind of like Lucy in the Chocolate Factory. We have Stan coming up at three o'clock today. I forgot to mention that. 
Stan Meadows has taken to the road. He is one of the partners in Trinas, the restaurant in the Intercontinental Hotel. It's a very good restaurant if you haven't been. And he, uh, at COVID, just decided to start working on his bucket list a little harder. He bought a motorhome and is traveling around the United States, kind of like Timely did when we were on the other station, and reporting on things out in the wide, wide world. Last time we talked, he was in Alabama. He's going to be talking about peaches because Alabama and peaches are a marriage made in heaven. There are a lot of peaches that come from Alabama. There's a little couple that does, like, I think it's called the Pelican Peach. And there's, I guess one of them is from Alabama or they live in Alabama or I don't know the story exactly. I knew it last year. And uh, they have a business now where they drive and get the peaches and then they sell them, I guess, through Instagram here. It's called the Pelican Peach. And these are Alabama peaches, which tend to be really, really delicious. We've been getting our peaches from Sam's and I guess, I don't know where they're getting their peaches from, but they're, they're quite good. I smell them in the store and I pick them up and I have had a lot of luck with peaches which I cannot say I ever had before now. So I'm very happy about that because I love peaches. A delicious peach with the juices running down the arm is kind of hard to beat. I want to get these people on the radio. We got a book from Vitamix. That's what it is, Vitamix. And uh, I just have forgotten to schedule them, but Mary Lee bought a Vitamix or her boyfriend bought it for her for her birthday and they've been having lots of fun with it. They're incredibly expensive. I had no idea, but I guess it just goes to show you how everything gets kicked up over the years and improved upon, uh, although this is a hundred year old company, so they've done their own improvement within the company. But the reason I bring this up is that today, uh, Fred Waring was born in 1900. He was actually known for his big band, the Pennsylvanians, in the 30s and 40s. He played sweet music as opposed to jazz. But his longest lasting legacy is the Waring Blender. He didn't invent it, but he improved the concept so much that his became the standard, standard blender design. The one we use even now. Food processors supplanted it for many uses, but the blender is still an essential kitchen tool and has seen a resurgent in recent years. I was in these, we have these um, very high bins that we need really one of those ladders that kind of slide across a wall. We don't have one of those, so that's why I don't go into the bins very often. I have to put a stool or a ladder up. But I was looking for this gadget that I bought at a, you know those home shows? I don't know if they're still doing those, but the home show was a really popular thing for a number of years at the convention center. And the kids and I used to go, we used to have fun because they have a lot of cool gadgets there. And there was one thing that I bought. We have a, 
not a lot. I wouldn't say we got suckered into a lot of things. And I say that, and I say that not because they, the gadgets don't work because they do. That's why you buy them. But, um, but I am a sucker. I'll, I will buy something if I like it and then never use it again, as a lot of people do. But this one thing that we bought was a silver polishing thing called the Lion. And it's just like this sheet, and I have no idea how it works, but if you buy the um, Arm & Hammer washing soda in warm or hot water, and then you put this thing in it, and you put your silver item in there, it's like magic. It will just be completely taken over and turn silver again. Anyway, I'm looking frantically for that thing because I'm trying very hard to, uh, to not silver plate, but to find the silver under the tarnish of this thing that I would like to give one of my grandsons. And uh, up in the bins, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I never see. And one of the things that I saw the last time I looked was this I guess it's an immersion blender. Is that something that you just put inside? It's like you, it's like a, a thin thing. You put it inside and it it works that way. Does anybody have one of those? Do they work? I haven't ever used it, I don't think. 5569696 is the number. We'll be back with more talk about this. It's 2.30, bottom of the hour news time. Senator Bill Cassidy is calling for an end to enhanced federal unemployment benefits. Cassidy says it would be better for an out-of-work individual to get a job with the potential to earn more money down the road instead of spending the summer collecting unemployment checks. They never get on that ladder where they start off at 28K and in six months are at 48K and a year at 50, etc. because they've been incentivized not to work. Governor Edwards says he's authorized an economic study about enhanced benefits and will make an informed decision. In three weeks, landlords can file for the eviction of tenants who have failed to pay rent. A moratorium on evictions began last year during the onset of the pandemic and has been extended numerous times. However, New Orleans' first city clerk of court, Austin Baden, who oversees evictions, believes June 30th is a hard date. My gut feeling is that it will expire, it will not be extended. Baden says they are bracing for an onslaught of thousands of evictions and some landlords have gone without payment for over a year. LRN. This is for those who always show they care. Who told their kids everyone 12 and older is eligible for a COVID vaccine. Those who explain to their cousins that vaccines prevent nearly 100% of hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19. This is for the ones protecting those they love. Thank you. We can do this. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Domestic abuse is not often talked about, but help is available. Domestic violence isn't always physical. It can be emotional, mental, or financial. There are hundreds of advocates like me ready to assist you with a safe bed, guidance, or support. Take the first step towards a better future by calling Louisiana's Domestic Violence Hotline at 888-411-1333. It's free, confidential, and available 24 hours. 888-411-1333.
The Edwards Mortgage Group, the Mason Collective, NOLA Title Group, and ARC Insurance Consultants are the ones to call on for all of your home needs. Whether it's mortgages, closing, sales, or insurance, they take care of your home needs, and now they've come together to help take care of the needs of our beloved New Orleans music community by partnering with Bougainvillea Productions and Soul Project NOLA for Fridays from the Funky Uncle. Fridays from the Funky Uncle is a free webcast live from the one-of-a-kind Mardi Gras float, the Funky Uncle Lounge, that features New Orleans musicians playing live music combined with interviews and outreach news to raise money for the entertainment community of New Orleans that have been impacted by COVID-19. You can join in the funky fun time by simply going to www.funkyuncle.live every Friday night at 7 p.m. Coming to the Funky Uncle Lounge, June 4th, it's David Batiste and the Gladiators. And on June 11th, Mia Borders. For more information on how you can support Fridays from the Funky Uncle, go to funkyuncle.live. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings and lots of things are never what they seem. True, true, true. Five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six is the number. We have, I think, I'm sorry to say, a string of buffet shows here lately on the food show. And I am sad about that. And I am putting out on the buffet uh, the roux. I know you make roux. If you have improved upon a roux, please give me a call. 556-9696. There are many, many things to talk about in the world of food. And uh, we would love to, to do some talking about it. Tom has in, the, in our newsletter today... He has a piece on degustation, or degustation as we, as we know it, degustation menus. And he, it's called Today's Flavor in the newsletter. If you get the newsletter, it's um, just a piece from his archival stocks. And today's is degustation. It is about Maley's restaurant. Anybody remember Maley's? Tom was obsessed with Maley's. And if ever there was a restaurant that fit the description that I used to tease him about called the Old Farteries, it was Maley's. Maley's was over 100 years when it closed, and it's a pity that it did close. It was absolutely the epitome of the old-fashioned New Orleans restaurant. It was owned by Willie and Anna Mae Maley, whose grandson, Robert Bruce, uh, has been the chef at a lot of places. Uh, I last saw him, I think he's still there, at Desi Vega's in Metairie. He's an excellent chef, and I didn't go to Maley's, but maybe once or twice was not my vibe for sure, but Tom was passionate about Maley's. And I think it goes back to his origins as a food critic. It was one of the places that he went to early on and he just sort of stuck with it. But anyway, Maley's degustation menu was $6.50. And and this was at the end of 109 years. It was a pretty extensive menu of old-fashioned kinds of things. It was 
well, I'll just say it was a table d'hote. Maylie's restaurant had a table d'hote dinner that at the end of its 109 years, it sold for $6.50. And it went like this, deviled eggs remoulade, which was kind of a specialty of the house. Uh, Tom loves deviled eggs. I don't eat deviled eggs, but I do eat eggs like hard-boiled eggs in some kind of dipping sauce now. It's kind of <laughs> unfortunate that I've gone from just hard-boiled egg halves without any sauce to needing some sort of dipping sauce. And that happened because the salads at the Chimes in Covington and many other salads for some inexplicable reason, but I'm really glad they do, come with a half of a hard-boiled egg on the side, sometimes two halves, so a whole hard-boiled egg. But it's a nice touch. And if you don't eat a lot of eggs, as I go through periods of not doing, I'm glad to have it. Unfortunately, if it's in a salad or on a salad plate where the salad dressing has been ordered on the side, then one tends to dip the hard-boiled egg in it. So now I don't eat deviled eggs, but I do eat eggs rum a lot. As a matter of fact, I had a, um, let's see, what did I have? We were at Anchor, and I had the boiled shrimp. And it was a very generous portion of boiled shrimp. They were large and plentiful and good. This is part of their new scaled-down menu. And it came with like a little cup of coleslaw for some reason, I don't understand that, and a dipping sauce, which was kind of a sweet tartar sauce rather than a remoulade sauce, which I actually would have preferred. But I enjoyed dipping into this sauce. And when I brought the shrimp home, I made sure that I brought the sauce as well. And when I finished with the shrimp, I kept the sauce because now hard-boiled eggs need some dipping sauce. I ultimately saw them in the refrigerator and I went, you know, this is ridiculous, and I threw it away. So I'm trying to break that habit. But it's a, it's, it's a tasty habit to have. Maybe a dangerous one, but a tasty one. So deviled eggs and remoulade sauce, a vegetable soup, which Tom, I guess, got his vegetable soup recipe from, which featured the Maylie's boiled brisket. That was really good. Two Jacks has a boiled brisket too, and it's served with sort of a pinkish sauce. And I don't remember what the boiled brisket at Maylie was, Maylie's was served with. I think it was like a horseradish sauce. But um, a boiled brisket is kind of like a braised thing, which to me is the pinnacle of meat eating. And so that boiled beef brisket just sitting on a plate as a hunk of meat is kind of appealing to me anyway. And the brisket that Tom used to do, he would make a vegetable soup by boiling brisket, then use half of it as a boiled brisket, and then use the rest of it for a vegetable soup. So I, I think he got all of those ideas from Maylie's. A salad. 
The next course was a redfish vinaigrette or fried oysters and a vegetable. A redfish vinaigrette, that sounds interesting and a little peculiar. I'm going to have to call Tom out and, and um, ask him to explain what a redfish vinaigrette was. Boiled brisket and horseradish sauce and parsley potatoes. That sounds really simple, but it also sounds really, really good. And bread pudding with demitasse. This little demitasse, uh, I guess, espresso or something, demitasse coffee. Anyway, Tom says when he discovered Maley's, it was, uh, it was hoary with age. I was looking at that word and I was thinking, what is that word? So that's what he's saying. It was hoary with age, barely operating, but still charming. On a good day, not every day was a good day, the boiled beef dinner was wonderful. All the courses were small, and each of them addressed a different part of your appetite. At the end, you were comfortably satisfied. That dinner would be right up with the times now, except that it would be called the chef's tasting menu, or the degustation, or the feed me. But back in, in Maylie's day, they didn't have any fancy names for anything. It was just a table d'hote menu. Of all the currents running through the New Orleans dining scene, the best of them is the return of the table d'hote dinner under all its many names. From the, from the day I discovered the scheme at Maley's and Two Jacks, which did something similar, it became my favorite way to eat. It has always been the format of our eat club dinners. I mean, prefix, table d'hote, all those things are the same thing. Serving many small courses is not the easiest thing for a restaurant to do. It involves, for one thing, about twice as much dishwashing and transportation from the kitchen as the conventional three-course. But the appeal is so great that restaurants bite those bullets and go with the idea. Places with degustation menus do very well with them. About a decade ago, the table d'hote concept was refined into the province of the most lavish restaurants. The Windsor Court's Grill Room began offering an eight-course degustation menu in the late 1980s. As Tom recalls, it was $75 back then, which represented the outer limits of possible food expenditures, even for local gourmets. And they took it a step further. You could have wines matched to each course, a glass at a time, for another $50 or so. Such a dinner was rare then, but you can choose from many venues to have a degustation menu now. They're called prefixes. At the upper level, it's almost gauche for a restaurant to open without a creative chef's tasting menu. Gosh, this is, this is in the heyday of the real gourmet dining. Things are so much more casual now. Some cynics might say it's all a scheme for restaurants to jerk their check averages up. No doubt a degustation has that effect, but for the most part, Tom finds that tasting menus represent a good deal for serious diners. See, that's the thing. You have to be a serious diner. They're much less expensive than ordering full portions of all those different dishes. 
and most standard entrees are too big to stay interesting throughout anyway. If you've not had the experience of eating that way, try it. You might even ask the chef of your favorite place to assemble a degustation for you, even if it's not formally offered by the menu. You might start something new and good. Let's see, who started the Feed Me? That was Tony Angelo, I think. Tony Angelo had the Feed Me, and then Chef Duke did a Feed Me for a while, and then everybody started doing a Feed Me, so it's the same kind of thing. And uh, I agree, the little portions are definitely better. They do go on for a long time, though, and the Eat Clubs were a wonderful thing that lasted a very long time had a lot, a lot of people, hundreds and hundreds of people who came through those dinners, and uh, a good time was had by all. 5569696 is the number. It is time for a few messages from our sponsors, and we'll be back for more talking after that. Right down the highway from the excellent Keith Young Steakhouse is Five Girls, and the food is very good casual fare. Here is a fantastic club sandwich with homemade potato chips, a great Cuban, good salads, and the best red beans and rice we have ever had. Poor boys, hamburgers, and terrific fried seafood. Five Girls, 305 Highway 21 in Madisonville, 985-845-2348. Autumn in New York, why does it seem so inviting? Yes, indeed. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk to me, I would love to talk to you. I want to tell you about Jackmel Inn, which is located in Hammond. That makes it a destination restaurant, unless, of course, you live in Hammond. We do have a lot of listeners in Hammond. But if you are not in Hammond and would like to try something different and something really special, it is absolutely worth the drive to Hammond. Josh Garrick is in the kitchen. Paul Murphy is the owner of the restaurant. He's quite the enophile. He has an extensive wine menu or wine list that uh, he has assembled through his own personal taste. He's very, very experienced in that department. If you are a wine person, this is a great place to go have dinner and get some wines to match. The food at Jackmel Inn is spectacular. Nothing short of that. I've not had a meal there that doesn't thrill me. It's definitely in the 10%. I've talked a lot about the 90 slash 10, where most of the food that you'll run across is 90%. Eh, you don't need to ever eat it again. And 10% where you think about it after. Everything out of the kitchen at Jack Millian falls into that 10% category. You can experience it in a lot of different ways. You can just book a reservation and have lunch or dinner there. They have a great Sunday brunch. On Tuesdays, they have steak night at Jack Millen. On Fridays, they have a two-course menu for $15. This is a spectacular deal. Do not miss it. Jack Millen is a cozy, kind of sexy place, actually. There's a lot of little nooks and crannies if you're having a very private, intimate conversation with someone. There are six, six fireplaces for fireside dining there. Jack Mellon is a great place for a wedding also and a special party. Don't miss this place. It is absolutely worth the drive to Hammond. Jack Mellon, they're located at 903 East Morris. It's kind of in the neutral ground of the Highway 190 going east and west. 
lush gardens. You can't miss it. There is a sign on either side, no matter which way you're going. Jack Mel Inn is 903 East Morris in Hammond. The phone number to make a reservation is 985-542-0043. That's Jack Mel Inn. Let's go to Steve. Man, I just took the garbage out, and I can't think of a more distressing thing than eating dinner in front of a fireplace today. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> You're oh right about that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, in the winter, fantastic. Right now, yeah. don't tell me they got a fireplace. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, wonder, I, I wonder if they're on. I'll have to ask Paul that because that is not. a very good point. What? I bet not. I bet. Well, you know what? Restaurants though are so cold now. I well, mean, I true. find I I like I like being kind of cold, not too cold, but I find that a lot of times I go into a restaurant and I am cold enough to be uncomfortable. There are yeah. restaurants that I find so cold that I make a note to bring something as a cover over when I'm going to yeah. be there. I understand. So, yeah. uh, you were talking about the immersion blenders. Yes. We have one. I like it a lot. Uh, okay. Because for so many things, such as soups or something that you want to puree, or it's one less thing you got to wash. You don't have to pull out your food processor or your blender and pour out of the pot into that and then do it. And then you just stick the immersion blender into that pot. And it works perfect. Okay, now let me ask you this about the Immersion Blender, because I'm going to pull that sucker out and start using it. Because we, when Jude moved to California, uh, what was closing? Um, maybe a Linens and Things? There used okay. to be a place called Linens and Things, right? I, I remember the name. Yeah. Yeah, there was a place called Linens and Things, and they were having a going out of business sale. And Jude was here for Christmas, and I remember buying a food processor that looked peculiar, but it was really, it, it turned out to be great. And then it broke after about, he didn't ever use it, so is that is that feedback coming through me? Are you hearing that? Oh, Okay. So uh, it finally broke, and I miss it terribly because it was an odd kind of food processor, but I am currently with only one of those little cup food processors, and yeah. I don't ever, I don't cook enough to go buy a big expensive one. Would an immersion blender work for that? Man, I, I couldn't tell you because of what you use the food processor for, the you know slicing and all of that kind of stuff, but... Yeah, probably for a lot of what they little black and decker thing that had the little thing standing up on top that you could push the food down with it and Yeah. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hate those. I hate oh. them because they're so small. <laughs> you know, they're just but but yeah, you could It is too small. The, it's the too immersion small. blender. But what we use it for is you know, you make a soup that you want it pureed or Yes. Um that kind of thing. It is yeah. just perfect. I mean, I'm going to bring it out. So I'm going to bring it out so and start using it. The, that end of it rather than washing the whole blender. Yeah. You know, the, the whole 
tank on the blender and all of that. We have a really old blender here. We have a blender from the Harvest Gold era. Oh, goodness. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? It still works because that era, they made things a lot better than they do now. Go ahead. What? Yeah. Uh, One of the kitchen contraptions that I just cracked up when I first saw was the egg scrambler. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was a little thing you'd sit. It was like a a needle sticking up. Yeah. Stick the egg down on it and hit that, and that little thing would spin around inside that egg, and you'd crack the egg, and it was, good Lord, if you can't whip it up with a fork, (laughs) good night. (laughs) You know know what? You know what? I'm really embarrassed to say this. I'm really, really embarrassed to admit this in here. But... As you're talking about that, I was thinking, boy, you know what? I need one of those because I I cook Tom a gourmet breakfast every morning. But honestly, I've become too lazy to take out a bowl and scramble the egg. So the egg is more like a shirred thing. It gets put in and, and then I kind of shirr it okay, a little I bit got, there. I, I got a secret for you. <laughs> I got a so I'm thinking, wait a second. Eat? That sounds good. What? How many eggs do you use? Two. Use your immersion blender. Okay. Okay, so you know what? I'm going to, well, honestly, though, if I'm going to, the problem is I don't feel like washing. And it's stupid because I have a dishwasher. It's just the idea of taking out a bowl seems stupid. I don't know. But, um, well, when but, I scramble eggs, I throw them in the, th- in the a frying pan hot and, Whip my fork around a little bit. Okay, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of a shared thing. But you know what? There are times when I really feel like I would like to invest the effort in making a really nice omelet. My son is like an omelet chef. He makes beautiful omelets and I enjoy his omelets, but I'm never going to go through that kind of trouble to do that. Although I kind of wish I would, you know, I don't know. The egg scrambler has, has a new appeal to me as I'm thinking, where can I get one of those? (laughs) All right. So Steve, you know what? I think about you a lot lately because our daughter is craving an Instapot. Get it. And yes, and she's going to, <laughs> we have this stupid conversation that we keep having over and over and over again. And, and I just have this thing about extra gadgets in the kitchen. I just feel like they take up a lot of space. So you need a scrambler. <laughs> those, those, those bins in the kitchen are filled with stuff like that. I don't even know what it is or how to use it. So, um, so she keeps talking about an Instapot and she's kind of getting into cooking. So, um, and she's got a boyfriend who really loves to eat and he loves to eat what she's cooking. So she's getting really into it. So she thinks I'm going to get an Instapot. And so apparently, and I don't even realize this, apparently every time she mentions the Instapot, my reaction is the same, which is, well, if you're going to use it. And so now she, (laughs) now whenever she says she wants the Instapot, she goes, gosh, I hope I'm going to use it. So I guess I must say it a lot, but we have been talking about the Instapot, and I wish you'd just go get one and start using it. They're really not that expensive if you don't It's $99. She says $99 at Sam, so I don't know why she hasn't gotten one yet. that's what I'm saying. Have have you you ever wasted $99? (laughs) Wait a second. I was just thinking about about $100 that I wasted just this morning. That's what I was going to say. Just this morning. Yeah. 
Have you wasted a hundred dollars? Oh yeah, 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 all the time. Yeah. So you know, and tell her to get the eight quart. They make a six quart or a five quart and an eight quart. Get the eight quart. It's okay. you know. Okay. But, well, uh, it's just the two of them right now, you know. But um, yeah, but, but she, you can make red beans, make a big batch, you know. If you no, make... no, because then you have all this stuff cluttering up your freezer, like in my freezer. I've got tons of stuff, and I don't even know what half it is. Half of it is after a while. Plus, she's got the, one of these things um, that they that they advertise on television, where you you call up and you get mailed these. I forget what it is. It's some kind of healthy program. And that's, and I was going to put something in her freezer and it was just like bursting out with that stuff. So she's yeah, already well, overloaded. You know, okay. That, that makes sense. But if you're going to fill up your freezers and you don't have room, okay. Uh, but, yeah, um, yeah, no, she's going to probably the, get the, the smaller one, but she's also going to get an air fryer. Do you have an air fryer? Yeah, well, I have. We have a Breville oven that does air fry. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, yes, you and have it talked does fondly everything. of your gadgets. Yeah, yes. it's it's it does roasting. It does uh, uh, air fry. It does dehydrate. Yeah. It does convection oven broil everything. You know. I love convection. I love. Convection. I do too. I'll tell you what. There's some things it doesn't work for, you know, and air frying is, I wouldn't buy an air, something that just air fries, you know, but. This is, uh, I shouldn't even admit this kind of stuff on the food show. I really shouldn't, but, but it's just so bizarrely quirky. So, (laughs) and I use it, it's, it's unbelievable how much I use it. So. We had, during COVID, we got all of these um, takeout containers, and they were the, the kind that you would use for catering, you know, the, the aluminum throwaway pans, and they all had okay. an aluminum throwaway top, okay? Uh-huh. And so somehow or another, I got the brilliant idea, mainly because when my daughter moved, she took all of the cookie sheets we had umpteen cookie sheets she took them off because she uses them so, right. and, I, and we don't cook here so i she she took all but i think one of them and so i started using <laughs> one of those tops to warm everything in the oven i have a microwave okay. but i never use it and so this little thing has become my go-to kitchen gadget. Isn't that just the most pathetic thing? No, no. If it works, it works. I guess, works. I guess. But every time I take it out, it's, what I like about it is it's kind of bendable. So if I need to make a little lip around it, I can bend it. And, and it's, uh, it has, <laughs> honestly, I can't even tell you how many times I've used it in the last six eight months it it kind of blows as my opposed mind. to just throwing it away and that my wife used to be a science teacher and that's what she used to tell children she'd say when you say throw something away where does that oh no i am a, i'm a nut about that i'm probably the only person you know that at in the 90s was using cloth diapers so i'm a freak yeah well good for I'm you my brother <laughs> When we were kids, my brother used to, we, you know, that was in back in the days. You remember okay, you got days 10 seconds. When you'd wrap a baked potato in aluminum foil to bake it, uh-huh. my brother would recycle that aluminum oh, foil. Oh, no, no, see, potato. he's got me beat. All right, that's it, Steve. Take care. Bye-bye. It's WGSO New Orleans. We'll be back. It's 3 o'clock.
USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Mitch McConnell is disappointed that President Biden pulled the plug on bipartisan negotiations on a sweeping infrastructure upgrade. He met and exceeded the president's own threshold demands. And then they were left at the table. Speaking on the Senate floor, the Kentucky Senate Republican leader suggested Biden is listening to the demands of radical progressives. Half of Americans over the age of 12 are fully vaccinated against the coronavirus. That's more than 140 million people, according to the CDC. This comes after kids as young as 12 became eligible last month and the Pfizer vaccine was made available to them. No injuries are being reported following an active shooter lockdown at Joint Base San Antonio Lackland in Texas. Officials saying two people opened fire outside the gate this afternoon before fleeing. This is USA Radio News. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Virginia voters pick a Democratic nominee for governor. Democrats on Tuesday nominated former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe to face Republican Glenn Youngkin in the state's November gubernatorial election. Mr. McAuliffe jumped into the primary in December as the one to be. But let me tell you, folks, the road ahead is going to be long. It's going to be tough. The remnants of COVID are going to be with us for a long time. We have to build back a better, stronger Virginia. Mr. McAuliffe beat four Democrat candidates to win the nomination. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. America is in the grips of a chicken wing shortage. Increased demand for wings over the past year, together with labor shortages, has brought a nationwide wing shortage. It's affecting restaurants and grocery retailers. In Texas, the supermarket is placing purchasing limits on chicken wings as of this week. Customers are limited to two packages of fresh or frozen wings per visit. USA Radio News. Look, bud. I said your money or your life. I'm thinking it over. The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. The new Edgar Bergenauer with Charlie McCarthy. Now, if you say help me, I'll mow you down. Three hours a day, seven days a week of the greatest radio shows of all time. Classic Radio Theater. Available on many of these radio stations or available on demand anytime at any podcast app by searching USA Classic Radio Theater. USA Classic Radio Theater. Arizona's governor is issuing declarations of emergency as two big wildfires rage in his state. The telescope fire burning 65 miles east of Phoenix in the town of Superior is now the ninth largest wildfire in state history, covering more than 76,000 acres and is 18% contained. Meantime, the Mescal fire is 23% contained as it's burned nearly 67,000 acres on the San Carlos Apache Reservation, southeast of Globe. More than 900 fire 
Going to be muggy and warm overnight. A few clouds, 70s to low 80s. Throughout the day tomorrow, scattering of showers and thunderstorms, mostly for the afternoon, 90 or so, with the heat index into the lower 100s. Tomorrow night, muggy, warm again, 70s, low 80s. Thursday comes in with a slight chance of a pop-up storm, but otherwise drying out and hotter, low 90s. Low 90s under sunshine and dry conditions. Friday afternoon as we go into the weekend, Saturday and mostly Sunday too should be more of the same. Thinking about retirement? Make sure a My Social Security account is a part of your plan. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Ralph Sanji, WGS. of the food show the second course as tom likes to say and we have on the line with us stan meadows who calls us every wednesday it's something i look forward to he is out and about in the wide open spaces on our fruited plain where are you now stan i am in the great city of new orleans louisiana oh you are here <laughs> for, uh, for two weeks Okay, when did you get here? I got here today. Got oh, here today. today. Okay. Okay. Well, welcome to uh, Heat Wave. Why in the world you came now when we're getting into the worst? Well, two weeks is not good put up with anything for two weeks. So, uh, welcome back. Welcome back. How's well, it feel? Thank you. It feels good. You know, this, this week is the New Orleans Wine and Food Experience. Uh, so I'm going to be attending a couple events with that, and then I've got a little bit of business to take care of, and then I'm either going to back to Alabama to the uh, Clanton Peak Festival, which comes mm. up in June, and then okay. hitting on the Tamale Trail. Oh, good. I'm so glad you're going to do the Tamale Trail. All right, so you know where it is. You've looked it I up, do. and you I've, know where I've it is. Yep, and actually okay. it starts in uh, Pastor Gula, and I unofficially started it yesterday and ate, ate some tamales at Juanita's Kitchen. Uh, really? And then I'm going to work my, huh. yep, and then I'm going to work my way on up, uh, take a couple weeks to do it. There's over two dozen, two dozen places I want to stop in. I want somebody to teach me how they make tamales. So that's one of my okay. goals on the way up there. I've got some contact oh, good. to do. Okay. I'm excited because, uh, you know, did, were you, were you around, you probably weren't uh, around for the manuals hot tamale phenom here. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, that's a Delta tamale. And I didn't know that there was such a thing as a Delta tamale. But they're distinctly different, a Delta tamale and a Latin American tamale. And um, I didn't learn that until 2019 in Houston. 
at a place called, I want to say Superico. But anyway, because uh, they, they were said on the menu as Delta tamales. And I realized, and someone explained to me, that the Delta tamale has like a little gravy to it. So um, so I was super excited. How were the, the tamales that you had in, in Pascagoula? And I had no idea that it started there. They were very good. And actually, they had the, the kind of gravy that you're talking about. That's why I want to learn how to make them to find out the difference. You know, and reading about them, they... It, it, the migrant workers back in the 1800s, farm workers, okay. brought them up to Mississippi uh, and taught okay. Mississippians how to make them, and that's where the tradition comes from. Uh, but they're all over either in restaurants and on street carts on the way up. So I'm looking very forward to learning about it, learning how to how to make them. Uh huh. Well, it's it is a um, it's it's like sand, you know, when you sit on a beach and you just sort of move your hands through sand, it's just sort of mindlessly soothing. Apparently, making and rolling tamales has that same sort of effect. I mean, in 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 New Orleans manuals, there were, I don't know, maybe a dozen and a half women who sat in a single room. This would be like people who pick crabs or something. Your job and the people you work with, it becomes like your family because it's not like you're getting a lot of tremendous um, intellectual stimulation from it. It's sort of just like a soothing thing. And it's like, it's like um, a crawfish boil. You just pick and talk and i think that's what they did with the tamales they just rolled and talked and everybody was a family and that was how they did their job and they sat in the same room for umpteen years and uh rolled out some pretty great tamales so i'm super excited that you're going to do the tamale trail so you just did the one in pascagoula it's called juanita's juanita's kitchen okay and how long has uh-huh. It's been there a long, long time. I don't know for how long. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. And so when you head out, uh, are, are there any places that you need to go to that are close to New Orleans before you, uh, I mean, where, where's the next Tamale Trail outpost? Uh, that would be, from then on, it's, I'm going to start in Natchez. Okay. Work yeah, my that's way right. up to, work my way up to Clarksdale. Pittsburgh, okay. Greenville. Greenville is supposed to be the tamale capital of the United States. Okay. That's where all of them are. Uh, right. And then, of course, I'm going to incorporate the, the Blues Trail because they, they're together. So uh -huh. uh, listen to some music on the way up also while I eat tamales and learn how to make tamales. A lot okay. of them don't use corn husk anymore. From what I read, they use parchment paper. Yes, right, correct. Up, so. what, what I find interesting about the Delta tamale is that it seems, it's kind of like the cling peaches, which I definitely want to talk about. There is not all that much of a separation from the interior ingredients and its outer shell. So it's like it's sort of integrated into the 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 masa did you find that at juanita's did i what did you find that at juanita's where the the inner workings of the tamale was integrated in the outer masa shell yes 
Okay, yeah. And I think that's I think that's the the characteristic, the defining characteristic of a Delta tamale, that and the sauce. I, I, I could be totally wrong, but that's what I've observed anyway. All right, so you're you're doing that now. Can you could you go to the Peaches Festival and then come back through? Because the Peaches Festival would probably be really good too. Yeah, that's one thing about doing it's in Chilton County, Clanton, which is between Birmingham and uh, and Montgomery. So I just have to go west a few hundred miles to to be able to get to Natchez. But oh, okay. I so really you... don't have a lot lot else going on right now, but chasing tamales around and peaches. So <laughs> that's what I love about. That's what I love about it. You're you're just following your heart and i think it's just it's charming okay so you so you are probably going to go back to alabama and do peaches and then cut west and go to the hit the tamale trail you're going to do both i'm pretty pretty sure that's what i'm going to do okay good all right because i want to hear about the peaches too now you've been in alabama and you're i have charged you with explaining the difference between cling peaches and freestone, which seems sort of self-explanatory because a, a pit is a stone. So I guess freestone means that it's not clinging. Is that is that the difference? That, that is actually the only difference. At, at first I thought, well, maybe some of them are picked earlier, you know, kind of like a pepper, a green pepper, and then it turns into a red pepper. I thought maybe that was the case. But after talking to to the peach market there that's not the case they're two different varieties uh-huh. and used for different things the, the cling peaches of course it's hard to slice them because you've got the pit to worry about right, the yeah. stone right. so those uh-huh. are good for making butters uh making ice cream out of you can make cobblers with them huh. uh, the freestones are the ones for canning slicing pickling uh, there's not a lot of difference in the taste and the flesh of them. Is that right? Okay, because uh, I was going to ask you, are they different? All right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, freestones and freestones come out around June the twentieth. The other peaches have been out a month or so. Oh, so uh, it's like a brown shrimp and a white shrimp seasons. It's it's just mm-hmm. a different time. Okay. All right. I have a lot of questions about peaches. We're going to come back with Stan Meadows, who is calling us from right here in New Orleans. We'll be back after these messages. Care Restaurant and Supply has reopened for you to come in and shop. Care has all the wipes, gloves, and sanitizing supplies that you may need, and face masks. They have a great selection of takeout containers, too. Call Billy to help you plan the renovation of your kitchen or dining room. Home Cooks will find a great selection of kitchen tools, too. Hours are 8 to 4 weekdays right now. Buy local. Our city depends on it. Care, hotel, and restaurant supply. Call 482-0294, 4815 Conti Street. Mandeville Seafood has been a local favorite, serving their house-made roast beef poor boys, seafood poor boys, and even a French fry poor boy in a fast, casual environment. Here is an extensive menu of salads and sandwiches and fried seafood, baskets and platters, as well as sides like stuffed artichokes, meat pies, and jalapeno cheese bites. And we love the very attentive service here at Mandeville Seafood Restaurant and Market, celebrating 25 years. I like a Gershwin tune. How about you? 
We are back with Stan Meadows, who is in his luxury motorhome traveling all around the country with his hound dog LW and the new kid Franco and uh, has have been having a blast. He's been keeping us abreast of all of the wild and wonderful things out there, including chasing down gangster hangouts in Las Vegas. But now he's in New Orleans, having just passed through Alabama and we're talking about peaches. So I I ate peaches. I guess I had some fresh peaches growing up, but I used to get peaches out of the can and they were cling peaches. And I never ever knew what the word cling was and why it was called a cling peach until you sent me a picture of the peaches at the market and there was a sign saying cling and freestone. It was like a little thing that clicked, bing. Okay, so a cling peach must be exactly what it says and the seed must be separated in the other kind. So you said there's no difference in the taste of those two fleshes of peaches. I, I had no difference in it. They, they had some freestone peaches uh, they just didn't have many of them. That's when they advertised that they come out. And they were a little bit underripe whenever I ate them. But from what the people at this market told me, there's absolutely no no difference in the taste. The difference in taste is with the varietals. I, I can tell you that last peach season, I was in another peach capital, the United States uh, Palisade, which is by Grand Junction, Colorado. And they claim to have the best peaches in the United States also. Uh, their flavor and their quality comes from the Rocky Mountain uh, snow runoff water, mm, spring water okay. from that. And um, I, I don't want to be a trader or anything, but I do think that they're a little bit sweeter. Uh, the sweetest Kilton uh, County peaches are the Southern Pearl uh, or the Scarlet Pearl. They're pretty equal. Uh, but I, I kind of like the peach butter I made in Colorado a little bit better than what I made with these. I made some the other oh, day. Oh, so you made some? You made some peach butter? How do you make peach mm -hmm. butter? What is, what is Take that? Take peach and water, and you can sweeten it up with a little bit of brown sugar is what I put in it, and just a, a dash of cinnamon, and mm -hmm. that's really all you need. And then you, I, put it, I put it in a crock pot and cook it about 20 hours. And it uh, breaks it down, you know, thickens up at that point. Well, so, so what do you put it on toast or something? I mean, is that how you eat it? What do you eat it on? Oh, yeah, put it on toast and put it on English. I like mine on English muffins. Okay, uh-huh. I would guess it would probably be good on ice cream, too, I would imagine. I mean, I... be good I'd on never... ice cream. It'd, it'd be good putting it, uh, putting it on a pork chop, uh, any kind of pork. Oh, yeah, yeah. For the last yeah. 15 minutes, you uh -huh. know, and, it's, and let it brown. If you, you, know, if you slather that on something like a, a, a pork roast or a ham, would it, would it cook in a way that made a crust? Have you ever yeah. tried that? I haven't, but it would make a crust. It would get, it would get thick enough to make a crust. Mm, no difference that sounds than good. I put jalapeno jelly or something uh -huh. like that on it. Yeah, so. that sounds good, actually. 
All right, so what else did you do in Alabama? Were you just looking at peaches, or did you find anything else interesting? I didn't find a lot more interesting in Alabama. The Hank Williams Museum is in Alabama, and I went mm. by Bates House of Turkey. Oh, uh, yeah, Turkey yeah, yeah. Center. How was that? It was awesome. They're so <laughs> consistent with everything they do, and to be able to get a Thanksgiving turkey dinner uh, in the middle of summer. <laughs> and then I bought a, they, they make some turkey uh, turkey and dumplings, and mm. I bought some of them and took them and ate on them for a couple of days. Uh, and then went to Pascagoula because I wanted a po' boy, and, and Bozo's po' boy, Bozo's Market in Pascagoula is, I think, the best po' boy around that really? area. It's not New Orleans. Yeah. They've been there for years. You you walk in, there's an old guy taking the order, you know, sitting on a chair, and you tell him the order, and he writes what you want on a paper bag with a price and hands it to the people behind the counter, and they make a po'boy and put it in the bag. It's the best system in the world. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Is that is? Did you just stumble upon that, or had you known about this from some other visit and specifically wanted oh, to go back I've there? Been, yeah, I've been knowing about that. You know, I spent a lot of years driving from New Orleans to yeah, uh, right, to Florida. Rose Beach, Florida. Yeah, and that would be a secret stop off. I tell tell people in Florida, I was in New Orleans. People in New Orleans, I was in Florida, <laughs> and I was in Pascagoula. Uh -huh. but, but speaking of that, I, I uh, and back to peaches for a second. I was talking to Chef Matt Farmer at Ternas because I'm going to go there and eat while I'm here. Check uh, check the quality. Uh, and let them know the quality of it. Uh, mm -hmm. But they, they for Nalfi, they made a dessert. They called it Peach Fizz. You want to hear about it? Yeah, sure. They, apparently, and he just he wrote the ingredients down for me. I don't have the recipe. Uh, they've got shortbread, uh, Louisiana peaches, blood orange curd, juniper meringue, and then gold lustered and i'm not sure what that is pop rocks remember pop rocks oh wow <laughs> and they're gonna put pop rocks somehow in it and whenever you take a bite of it it's gonna pop in your mouth mm. flavor so remember remember when donald trump was running for office and he kept saying you're gonna get tired of winning that's what i'm thinking of when you talk about Trinas and and Naufi because you guys win all the time. You're That's always winning. We're <laughs> well, I mean, obviously it's very creative, you know. I mean, that's a that's a creative dish. And I think that you tend to make generally speaking if I can remember correctly, you do make a lot of desserts, do you? Yes. Yeah, I don't mean at Trinas, I mean for the competition it tends to be a dessert, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. We've, we're also going to enter our foul gumbo with uh, duck crackling on it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, I don't know. We, we've we usually won with dessert or an entree, I guess, over the last four years. We came in second one year, which is still the winner of the losers. There's so. always there's always a ribbon at the Trinas booth at, uh, at Nalfi. So I, I know that you win uh, pretty consistently. So are you, is there a grand tasting this year? Yes, there's a grand tasting, okay. a grand tasting Friday night and Saturday afternoon, I believe. And I believe they're sold out, which is uh -huh. 
really yeah. good for the for the restaurant yeah. business in New Orleans. Well, well needed. Well, you know, I mean, people have been locked up for a long time. It's kind of like, you know, you're you got a horse race and all of a sudden the gate opens and everybody charges out. I mean, I think that's what's happening around town. People are and everywhere, really. You know, people are just really anxious to get out again. So the grand tastings are this weekend? Yes. Okay. Yeah, cuz we were talking about Nalfi, um we were talking about Nalfi last week and um and I I wasn't sure exactly when it started, but um but it started yesterday with, with a couple. They've got, you know, several different events. I think that their stroll or something might have been, might be tonight. I don't, I'm not for sure. I, I, I thought they weren't doing the stroll because I was talking to um, to the, the, the head of Nalfi, and she, I thought she told me that they weren't doing the stroll, but I don't know. But I, I guess it's got everything is sold out, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. So you're yeah, going to be, hmm? go ahead. No, go ahead. So you're going to be in town for just two weeks, and then you're heading out again. Yes, as long as I don't die of heat, <laughs> humidity. I forgot about humidity. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, but, you know, it, when you get used to it, you're used to it, and then you go away. Like our son lives in Los Angeles, and, and he was here two years ago with his wife, who's a native, and she was... She was horrified at the heat because she's from California, and he was almost equally horrified. I said, "You grew up here," and he goes, "I know, but I forgot." I mean, you do—you forget about about how hot it is. So, are you planning to do any other kind of eating while you're here? Any place that's on your list of uh, that you want to go check out? Any new places that you're interested in? Well, I don't know. I've got to do some studying on uh, on what restaurants are open and what. It's new restaurants that are open, and I, I mm -hmm. do plan on eating out a lot whenever I'm here in town. I'm sure. New I mean, that's what we do. Where, yeah, where are you? Where are you parked? Are you just parked on a street somewhere? No, no, I'm in a I'm in a uh, motorhome park, oh, motorhome okay. resort, oh. <laughs> in an undisclosed location. But I've got a. <laughs> oh no, I've got K. I haven't got cable hooked mm -hmm. up and air okay. conditioner going so life's good okay well as long as you got that air conditioner going that's the important thing all right stan i thank you for checking in i am uh, happy that you're here and uh try not to try not to melt because it's it is getting into the the really the gritty kind of season so um but i'm really excited about you going back out and and doing the tamale trail because i know i tried to talk you into that the last time when you left and you had another route chosen already so i'm glad i'm glad to have this second chance at that so happy to hear it yeah i was working on my fried chicken trail so <laughs> at that point you have to have yeah. your priorities yes yes well you know you. tamales are good too they're good too all right, take care, Stan. Thank you for calling. As always, it's one of my favorite things to do on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you, I guess, next week. I don't know if you're going to – I mean, I guess you could report on – be kind of it'd be kind of weird and fun to talk about the things that you've discovered back in your or previous hometown, you know, your most recent hometown, I should say. I'd be we happy to do you know, it's been, you know, it's it's been a year of, of not much happening. Now it's really, really busy down there. I don't know if you have noticed how busy it is, but people are saying that the, the French Quarter's on, you know, just really, really rocking. So that's good. 
Hmm. Glad to hear it. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Take care. You'll have to do some of that same kind of research that you put into the the gangster trail and all that in Las Vegas. You know, you have to find something really cool here and and treat us to our own hometown discoveries. All right? I'll do it. All right. Take care, Stan. Stan Meadows, who has been on the road for a long time and, uh, and you know, living out of his resort, his motorhome in the resort, and uh, bringing us a world outside of New Orleans. I have not heard of choke cherries until Stan told us about choke cherries and his participation in the choke cherry festival. And I didn't know that Las Vegas was supposedly where the shrimp cocktail was invented. I would have maybe guessed that was here, but we learned that from Stan who did some research and was hot on the trail of the best shrimp cocktail in Las Vegas. And that's the kind of thing that he's been doing all year for us. And I've enjoyed it very much. And I really look forward to the, um, to the tamale trail because I have been kind of obsessed with tamales since I grew up on them. They were the Hormel tamales in a can. And I didn't know that there was any other kind of tamale other than those kind. But uh, there is a great spectrum of tamales out there and we have here the delta tamale and I, I didn't know that there was a difference but i think i do actually prefer the delta tamale there's a certain kind of a certain kind of taste in the sauce of a delta tamale and um it's funny because i i have that same taste when we go to la Coretta, which is a mexican tamale but um, it's, it's, a, it's a flavor that I really find appealing and a texture, too. It is 3.30. It's time for the Louisiana Radio Network News. We'll be back with more food show after that. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Jeff Palermo. In three weeks, landlords can begin filing for the eviction of tenants for non-payment. Brooke Thorrington talks to the person in charge of evictions in the state's largest city. Landlords will be able to come into my office and file evictions for non-payment of rent, where some of them have not been paid their rent for over a year now. That's New Orleans' first city clerk of court, Austin Baden, who's bracing for thousands of evictions and says landlords have had enough. What they have found is the tenant has not paid the rent, but they've gone out and bought new cars or big screen TVs. Louisiana Fair Housing Action Center says tenants are responsible for the entire of rent owed and landlords can begin collecting July 1st. I'm Brooke Thorrington. Meanwhile, Senator Bill Cassidy says it's time to end the extra $300 in federal money unemployed individuals are receiving. Cassidy says there are thousands who are not motivated to find a job because of the enhancement. We need to stop that uh, for the sake of the worker, for the sake of the businesses and our whole economy. Louisiana Radio Network. Take 30 seconds to save thousands. Go to LAContractor.org and take 30 seconds to make sure the person or company who wants to work on your home or business is licensed by the Louisiana State Licensing Board for Contractors. Always ask for references and protect yourself by choosing one of the many great licensed contractors in your area. Go to LAContractor.org or get our free mobile app, LA Contractor, in your app store. And take 30 seconds to save thousands. This is for those who always show they care. 
who told their kids everyone 12 and older is eligible for a COVID vaccine. Those who explained to their cousins that vaccines prevent nearly 100% of hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19. This is for the ones protecting those they love. Thank you. We can do this. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Over the last 75 years, New Orleans has gone through many changes, and so has WGSO. From our early beginnings in 1946, broadcasting from the Jung Hotel, being home to Papa Stapa in the 1950s, being a music station, talking biz radio to speak in easy New Orleans style, you, our loyal listeners, have been here every step of the way with WGSO. It's now our 75th anniversary and we are so proud to have you here with us to celebrate. So we're going to celebrate all year long to show our gratitude to you and make 2021 our most successful year yet. And we will also continue to bring programs that appeal to people of all backgrounds. So from all of us at WGSO, we want to say thank you for making us the community voice of the Crescent City. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island, too. True enough. Five, five, six.